Hey, pumpkins. Welcome to another week at camp. I don't want to die. I don't want to die. Grab your sleeping bag and flashlight and gather around the fire for some wicked fun. As always, this week's thrills and chills are chock full of spoilers, so listeners, beware. Ooh. Now, for this week's tale of gore and more. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another week at Camp I Don't Want to Die, brought to you by myself, Ashley, and... Oh, Nick. Hi, Ashley. How are you? (laughs) Good. How are you, Nick? I'm good. It's yeah. Saturday. It is. It's Catterday, that's for sure. It's never Catterday in my house, but that's fine. <laughs> Honey, it's always Catterday in my house. You know this. I do know this. Um, we have a very special guest with us today. We do. Uh, we have David Nora, the author of a book that just came out. Say hi, David. Hello. Hi. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to talk horror with you guys. Very excited, too. Um, So I got my confirmation email that my book has shipped. So Ah. I'm excited. I do hope it gets... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Ash. I'm going to ask you if you'll call me at night and read it to me. Oh, well, (laughs) I'm hoping it gets here today because... Um, I like I, I allot myself like one beach day a summer because I don't really mm-hmm. like the beach. But that's that's also all you need. It's too like, hot. Inevitably, it's like, oh, do you want to go to the beach? And like, you can only say no so many times. So I'm hoping it gets here today <laughs> because then if it gets here today, then I can read it tomorrow on the well, not maybe the whole thing. I'm not that fast of a reader, but I could read it on beach. That would be ideal. So we <laughs> shall see what happens. But I anyway, so I was also just thinking about that vine. <laughs> Which which vibe? <laughs> Where the guy's like, let's go to the beach. Beach. Oh, Nicki Minaj. Yep, that's the one. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, the book is called Slasher Crasher. Do you want to tell us a little bit about it? Sure. Um, it is a mix of Mean Girls and Halloween. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a spooky, funny thing. And it is based on my real life. It's a fictional story, but it's based on uh, something that happened to me when I was in high school. There were three of us, three best friends, and we were the complete opposites. Um, I don't know how it worked, but it worked. There was Kathleen, the badass, wrong side of the chick, wrong side of the train uh, tracks kind of girl. rude crude curse smoked drank she did everything oh so she was basically me yes so not me no (laughs) and then there was betsy who was the complete opposite like i said she was the goody two-shoes religious super conservative rich family religious uh and then there was me who was just like the queer artsy shy kid mm-hmm. um but we were the three amigos three best friends until we uh betsy had her birthday party it was in october and kathleen for whatever reason brought a bottle of jack daniels to the party 
she got caught by Betsy's parents. They called the school and they had Kathleen suspended from school. And Kathleen was like, what, what the heck? I wasn't on school premises. Why did your parents call the school? Why did they have me suspended? Uh, you could have just called my parents and they would have um, just like given, given me a consequence. consequence. And the, this caused a, just a total rift in the friendship. We were never the three amigos again. We were never three best friends again. I sided with Kathleen. Um, and so I took that story and I sort of placed it in a slasher-esque setting. So um, here comes Michael Myers. He escapes from the mental, uh, mental hospital because um, we're in those days of mental hospital. Mm-hmm. In this story, it's Nick Roche. Um, and he crosses paths with these two best friends who are feuding and the hilarity ensues. Um, I sort of consider it to be one part uh, drama, one part teen drama, like a Dawson's Creek, one part slasher, like a Scream or a, I Know What You Did Last Summer, Urban Legends. Mm-hmm. And the third part is just over bonkers, kind of exaggerated humor. Uh, so I feel like I meshed them very well and well, We'll see how the readers think. <laughs> well, right. No, I'm I'm very excited. Um, I'm super excited to read it. And um, uh, it seems very much up our alley at Copulators yes. Die First. I feel like that's very much our niche, if you will. Yes. Uh, it's, very, it's very much life imitating art in a very intimate way. So I'm really, <laughs> I'm really glad you put pen to paper on that. Because sometimes that's hard. Yeah. Sometimes it's hard to talk about, you know, friendships that dissipate when you thought they were stronger than they could be. So, right, and it's it's a form. Writing for me becomes a, a form of therapy, and so mm-hmm. I, you know, I just write what I what I knew and what happened to me, and it felt great to actually put it down and get it out of my head. And it's it was a really fun, tearful kind of journey that I took uh, writing this story. Um, and it's super gay. There's uh, a, a gay character. I'm essentially in the book. I'm a character in the book because uh, I experienced what happened to me. And so I wanted to create this, like I said, this uh, shy, artsy gay kid who gets caught in the middle of this. And it becomes sort of a coming out story for him, very much in the sense of how I came out with a little bit of more gore and blood and slasherness to it. I mean, um, but isn't that coming out anyway? Sometimes there's just a little gore towards yourself. Yes, yes. It's super scary. And mm-hmm. you have to face it head on. And he has to face it with these group of bullies who bully the hell out of him. Uh, and essentially, he becomes a final gay. We've heard of the final girl character, um, which I love, and that's sort of what I've always been drawn to, the final girl. Uh, but we haven't really seen final gays uh, in movies, and we really haven't seen queer people in horror, right? Positive queer representation in horror. Oh, oh definitely not. We, we talk about it all the time. <laughs> right, and so I was like, you know what? I'm going to try my best to 
give a positive queer representation, a boy who's coming out, who becomes this, this fighter, you know, the survivor. And he's not really fighting off serial killers. He's fighting off these, these, uh, these bullies. Uh, and so it's, it's, it's a fun arc for him in the story. Well, um, I, I, here's hoping for a film adaptation. Oh, please. <laughs> hope so. Jeez, Netflix. God. I mean, let's be like, Netflix is like basically purchasing whatever they possibly can right now. So, <laughs> right. should we start a campaign? We, I'd be <laughs> let's start it now. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, I guess thinking about it, there's not, are there really any final gays? Like, I mean, there's like, like movies like Hellbent, for instance, I'm sure. Right, right. But like mainstream, like I guess every now and again, there is a, like a queer character, but they're never really the final person. So Most, most of the time we are the villains. We are the killers. We are the abused. Um, over-sexualized uh, crazy people mm-hmm. and enough is enough right um, there's there always, has... there, I'm sorry I didn't mean to cut you off no 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 please I feel like there's just always kind of an element of hysteria associated with queer people because of a seeming identity crisis that is only experienced through the heteronormative vision yes yes thank you so yeah. it, it feels like we are we as a group of queers are the problem and it's it's disheartening to see that in film when we just need some positive representation all our LGBT series for the month of June where I don't think Nick and I intended to get as serious as we did and it kind of felt like there was a, a lot of internal crying that entire month. Uh, yeah, especially especially with the trans episode. That was uh, uncomfortable. Uh. Um, yeah, no. But um, anyone who is a new listener who hasn't listened to our Pride Month stuff, I would suggest listening to all of those episodes because um, I think it will give you a good flavor of all of the things that we want to accomplish here. But anyway, we are not here to talk about all that, rehash it. I'm sure we will rehash it again many, many a time because we are not in a place yet where we can put these issues to rest. However, we were excited to have you on because not only are you here to let everyone know that your book is out now, again, that is Slasher Crasher. Um, We're talking about the movie urban legend from 1998 and i feel like there's a lot to get into here and i'm super excited because with our camp series for summer camp um we have recently been talking about some movies that are like theatrically duds (laughs) i would say Would would you agree with that ash i wouldn't say they were duds but i would definitely say that they are either underappreciated Yeah. Or they're just fucking bad. Well, right. (laughs) Correct. This, in my opinion, is not a bad movie. It is very referential. It's referential to a lot of things because guess what, Hunty? What? I I actually brought research. Oh, yay. Uh, 
I took notes. We have, we're so prepared today. Yeah. Um, <laughs> not typically, not typically in this house. No. But I want to try something new. Okay. Where are we, where, where are we beginning this ride? Um, just a general, just a general introduction, um, to be more inclusive of our audience. Uh Uh-huh. Ladies and gentlemen. Uh-huh. We now bring you Urban Legend. Okay. Okay. I just, I I heard ladies and gentlemen on the internet, and I was like, excuse me, hi, that applies to me, and I'm going to use it. So, Yeah. I don't know where it came from. Probably in an Instagram hole that I found myself in at one in the morning because I don't sleep. Because I'm always thinking about how to better improve us in our situation here at Copulators Die First. And where where our next step is going. So let's let's dive into this. All right. We're diving. We're deep diving. Do do you want to do the plot of the film? Because, spoiler alert, there really isn't a whole lot of a plot. Because to me... It felt like this film was based on a series of vignettes put together to kind of produce a cohesive story. Oh, that is a good way to think about it. I didn't think about it that way, but I will say most of my notes are not about... Because, like, usually um, my notes are very reactionary, like, ugh this or ugh that. But it's more about, <laughs> it's more about like, oh, there's a reference. I'm proud that I knew that because we, you know, tout that we're, like horror nerds and that we know all the things there are plenty of things that we do not know but I feel like for this movie specifically I was like oh all these references that are happening I actually know what's going on um but I like that idea how do you feel about that David so the vin- the idea of the vignettes mm-hmm. yeah let's do it I- okay I- so Wonderful. do you want to take it from the top where I mean, they're given a whole synopsis of uh, where do they start? They start with the girl driving like a dumbass. So Michelle, <laughs> yeah, she's singing. She's living her best life, but and she's driving like an asshole. She is driving like an <laughs> asshole. I will say this movie uh, opens up with like orchestrated choral music, and anytime that's the case, I'm usually in. Um, so that I was like, okay, yes, uh huh. And it's raining, so okay, very atmospheric. I will say one of the things I like the most about this movie is that it's very good at creating the atmosphere that it wants. Um, it's like very, we don't know what season it is, but it's probably fall. There's like turtlenecks and cardigans, they're on like a very white college campus. Oh, very white. (laughs) White to the point where, like, Joshua Jackson, a.k.a. Pacey, a.k.a. the kid from Mighty Ducks, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh Uh-huh. He's got, like, that bleach blonde, like, Aryan look going on. Mm. Uh, He does. He's also just an a-hole. It's Um, not attractive. It's not a good look. No. uh, and, And, like, I love Loretta Devine. Outside of this movie, she, oh, yes. she is wonderful. Um, anytime that I can make a Dream Girls reference, I will. So Loretta Devine was the original Lorraine um, in Dream Girls. And uh, she's just like, I was concerned at first that like she was being used as the sassy black character. But like, number one, no, because that's just Loretta Devine's voice. 
And two, she's like the only hero of this entire movie. So I appreciated that. Um, but yeah, so Michelle, uh, we don't know her name yet, but she's driving. She's being reckless. And um, I will say that if what she's being reckless to do is to like get go number one it's 1998 so i mean aren't there cds already i don't know why she maybe her car just had a tape deck i don't know yes cds were out but they were not necessarily as accessible in vehicles as like cassette tape decks i feel Mm -hmm. like that was more of like an early 2000s thing okay all right so we're like we're we're on the cusp but so she's she's like rifling in the back she is looking for a specific tape and it's freaking Bonnie Tyler, uh, total eclipse of the heart. And I was like, okay, so like, you know, if that's her driving song, it's a good choice. Like maybe she shouldn't be almost killing people, but like, maybe I can forgive her reckless driving, but then she's like, assumingly not drunk, assumingly. But she's doing really, really, really bad um, Total Eclipse of the Heart um, karaoke. Yeah, she's butchering it. I was very, I was saddened by that. But so, anyway, long story short, we know this movie's all about urban legends. Um, So she is the chick that is driving. She's almost out of gas. Of course, it's like torrentially downpouring rain because why wouldn't it be? So she's like, oh, gas station, wonderful. Um, and then who shows up at the gas station as the attendant, but Chucky. Yeah. <laughs> right. Brad Dourif. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so basically long story short with her, she's like, I mean, okay. I get why she's like, I don't want to get out of my car. Cause she's like, this guy is kind of creepy. Um, but little does she know that the creepy guy who's unintentionally being creepy is actually the one trying to save her life because she is in the middle of the urban legend where there's the guy in the back um, hiding, which if she was trifling around in the back seat, like how did she not notice somebody there? But I guess that's here nor there. Um, also, this kind of plays into um, the thing in the, I want to say early 90s, late 80s, where there was a guy, they never actually caught him, but he was hiding under people's cars in mall parking lots and parking garages uh-huh. and trying to kidnap them. But that's, oh. is, is that a real thing or an urban legend? <laughs> that's up for debate as well. <laughs> ah, it's gotten us. I mean, because well, then there's also the urban legend that they have in this movie about guys that hide under cars and try to slash people's Achilles heels. Yes. Which, Oh my God, that in itself is actually one of the things that I fear the most because like massive blood loss all at once. And also I'm assuming it would really freaking hurt, but like <laughs> Achilles heels being sliced, we've seen in a lot of horror movies. Uh, it happens a lot. Pet um, cemetery. I hate it. Yeah. yeah. It, it, comes it comes from a place, from a place. you know? No. Um, so uh, uh, Michelle gets her head gets her hacked, hacked off. off. That's what happened. It's a pretty powerful scene. Like, you need something that, like, strong to start off a slasher. And a very, very few of the the 90s slashers had those powerful, powerful openings. Of course, Scream Mm -hmm. sort of set the stage for it and Scream 2. 
but I feel like none of the other slashers really lived up to Scream, except for Urban Legends. You know, I know what you did last summer. They had a guy on a cliff, I think, and he's playing around with a, a little uh, trinket or something like that. And eh. and then there's Valentine in 2000, who was mm-hmm. direct the guy, the same guy directed uh, Urban Legends, and um, the actress from uh, Grey's Anatomy. She is cutting into a, a cadaver and he's actually alive and that's the opening and it really wasn't like gasping gay gasping i remember being in the theater for this for urban legends and being like my lord this is like crazy i love this so i th- i thought it really set the stage for a good slasher opening yeah no this is Definitely a very effective movie in general. Um, I will say also, though, like in in general, um, this movie is very, I don't want to use the word referential again, but there's many a scene that you could do like screenshots side by side with Scream and it'd be like, oh yeah, that happened um, in both of these movies. Um, so I'm not saying that this movie stole from Scream. It's probably more homage, but it's like heavy homage to Scream, which is fine because right. it's very much fine with me. Yeah. And I think this movie in general is celebrating a lot of the larger franchises in many small and big ways, which is really super cool. I enjoy it greatly. Um, and then like, okay, so Michelle has gotten her head hacked off and then it's like, oh, Tara Reid. <laughs> so I was like, like, oh, yay. Tara, Tara Reid running a weird sex ed talk show. Yeah. Um, Should I get my stomach pumped if I swallow? Yeah. Gee, I don't know. I don't think so. Like, mm-hmm. what, what is what is really useful though about um, the Wikipedia page for this film is it actually breaks down which urban legends um, are actually reenacted and which are just referenced, and a lot of the conversations that Tara Reid has on the hotline are just references to urban legends around like teenage sex and like totally not understanding the physicalness of the human body, you know, as we all have to discover as young adults. Um, so that's cool. I mean, I, I will say that Tara Reid is being a freaking biatch. Um, <laughs> that's fair. But I mean, like when, isn't that kind of like her shtick, Tara Reid? I don't um, know. I don't think she has a shtick anymore. I mean, yeah, that's that's the other thing. Like, does she have a career? Is she problematic? I mean, she was in all the Sharknados. Oh, was she in all of them? Uh, maybe not all of them, but a good chunk of them. So there's that. But, but was also, she in the one with Alaska? I'm not sure. I know that she was oh. like the, she was the main chick for a while, but I kind of yes. lost interest after the second one. Oh, that's way more interest than I gave it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I gave it no interest. I gave it one interest. <laughs> I she don't need sharks in my tomatoes. Yeah, no. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure that a shark NATO is highly improbable. Could it happen? I mean, technically, yes. But there could be a tornado of any animal. There could be a tornado 
of garbage cans. You know, it's just, it's a funnel of wind that's sucking things up. So the potential for it to be a shark NATO, um, and then for it to happen like a bajillion times to make a really schlocky um, film franchise. I mean, you know, we're, we're stretching the truth here. Um, so on the, on the subject of Tara Reid's character, Sasha, yeah. that was originally supposed to be my BFF and love of my life, Sarah Michelle Gellar. Oh. Was it really? Yes. It was supposed <gasps> to be Sarah Michelle Gellar, but unfortunately her Buffy conflict, you know, it, it conflicted with her schedule, so she couldn't really be the every woman that I needed her to be. All right. Get out of here. Because I loved her. She's everything in Scream 2. She only has like a sort of one scene as C.C. Cooper, but, like... I mean, that could have even very much been, like, her Mia Copa to the horror fans of being like, sorry, I couldn't make Urban Legend work, but here's me in Scream 2, so... <laughs> uh, yeah, I that would have been so amazing. She's Sarah Michelle Gellar. But that does explain Tara Reid's outfit at the party, because I felt like it was very Buffy. Yes. Um, I felt like it was also very Tiffany uh, from Chucky, but that actually i looked it up because i was like is she supposed to be dressed up as tiffany but bride of chucky came out the same year as this movie so it was definitely not that um but like isn't that painfully kind of the truth of tara reed's career that she's just kind of like the second second scream (laughs) queen yeah second sarah michelle geller like she's like the the fill-in what a a sad way to talk about her oh you know the second sarah (laughs) michelle geller I did. Not, not I the first was, one. I said it was painful. The third or the I know. Sarah Michelle Geller. I don't care. Oh, I'm huh. just here for. I'm just here for one Sarah Michelle Geller. Mm. <laughs> I I want to see a drag queen do a Buffy number. I've never seen oh, that before. Yes, girl. We have that, a, that drag queen that you and I are potentially working with shortly. More to come on that. Uh-huh. Um, they do a monthly horror-themed drag show called Glamgore. Mm. And I would not put it past her to do a Buffy drag, to be honest. Well, maybe we can, like, plant the seed. I will will text them implicitly and be like, please, please, please do it for me. We'll plant Um, the seed, we'll take a video, we'll let everybody online know about it, and it'll be great. But yeah, Um, the cast in this film is phenomenal like yeah this is the who's who of 98 very much so <laughs> the, the class of 98 superlatives if you will um you know we have we have noxima commercial girl um, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> we we have jared leto before like everything else that jared leto <laughs> has done um jared Jared Leto is a time traveler. I said it. I mean, it basically, like he look like if if he were to shave and get the same haircut, would he not look the same today? I'm pretty yes. sure he would. Yes. So there's that. He was um, born. In, he was born in 1971, so he's a time traveler. He's like, he's a magician. Then he's um, yes. he's a warlock probably. <laughs> he's a witch. He's a witch. He's a witch. <laughs> um, Joshua Jackson, as we stated earlier, mm-hmm. uh, Tara Reid, um, our horror papa, Robert England. Right, we have Robert England. Um, uh, obviously, we already talked about Loretta Divine, but she's yes. you know she's just Loretta Divine. 
Um, the, who's the guy from? Oh, we talked about Joshua Jackson. I was gonna say mm-hmm. who's the guy? Who's the guy from Dawson's Creek? Joshua Jackson. Joshua Jackson, Damon Brooks. Yep. Um, and so Alicia Witt. I never sure. remember what else she's been in. But, like, she's got one of those faces that I know I've seen other movies with her in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm always like, oh, she's good. You she know, was like on when... the Exorcist TV show. She was? Mm-hmm. She was also in Twin Peaks, but it might have been the newer. It was the newer one. Oh, all right. Well. Not the old one, because she would have to be, like, also a time traveler. Oh, Okay. So now I remember how she was in the Exorcist TV series because I looked it up. But um, I was like, how is she in it? She's one of the people that like gets kind of possessed and then they do their magic. But um, okay. So anyway, we're getting way off track as usual. Um, <laughs> I mean, what would we be if we didn't? Gay yeah. tangents. Gay tangents. Um, um, so do you want to each pick out our favorite urban legend that this film was based off of within the film? Oh. I mean, we could totally do that. And then whichever ones are left over, we can just quickly review because they did some good work here. Um, I I believe so. I believe they did. I will say one thing. I love how, um, uh, what is, what is her name? Natasha? Natalie? Natalie Natalie Simon. Natalie. So she goes to the library. She just casually finds an encyclopedia of urban legends and checks it out. That book is not real. I will tell you that right now. There are plenty of books that have been written that are like, quote, encyclopedias of urban legends. But that book specifically, which they use for the film, is not real. And that would have been a very smart marketing tool for them. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Uh, You can also tell that this film is very much dated because she's able to look in the back of the book and see who checked it out previously. That's not a thing you can do now. No, not, I mean, I haven't been to, I think ultimately the, the point there for me is I haven't been to a library in years. Cause why do I need to go to a library anymore? Because everything's digital now, but I digress. I prefer a physical copy of things. Mm-hmm. I got you. I'm a, I got you. I'm a teacher actually. And, um, we have a library and we actually still do the uh, the little things in the back of the book. So it's really nice. That's my one last uh, sort of connection to the 90s is that we still have those. Uh, oh, man. I love it so much. And it's weird because I'm a teacher of the visually impaired and blind, so we really don't need it. Um, mm-hmm. But it's still great. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. Um I love the library and I feel like like uh, we're going to hit on like a larger umbrella topic here. But like children today don't know a lot of the things that we had to know because they just have the Internet. But I feel like they should still be teaching every child like before there was the Internet, there was the library. And before there was cell phones, there were land like all these things like my sister is oh, 20. She's, I think, a year older than my brother. So she's 23. She'll be 24, I think. Yeah. So her birthday is actually on the 26th of this month. So happy uh, early birthday, Jamie. But, like, there's things that she didn't learn in school that the only reason she knows about them is because my mother and I would talk about them around the house. Like, um, 
you know, like uh, rotary phones, even like landlines. Um, I'm surprised your grandma didn't have a rotary phone. <laughs> she did not. They had, you know, like the they had they, like they still they still had it until the day they both passed away. They had the the phone from like the late 80s early 90s where they had that huge coiled um uh phone line still that it just all bunched up oh yeah my favorite yeah i actually Um, did a um a photo shoot i had to recreate scenes from my favorite horror movies one of them was um halloween where pj souls gets uh basically strangled by a rotary phone by uh, mm-hmm. the, the cord and I I had to actually find one of those old phones it was like the hardest sort of uh journey that I had to take in that photo shoot but th- thankfully I found went to my childhood home and like dug into all these closets and thankfully they had a cord a phone with a cord so it's right yeah we have had you had to go to like uh goodwill otherwise and like that's sad like there's like they like like tube tvs like who has a tube tv i'm sure there's people out there that do have a tube tv still but i like, i have two in my great. attic that my landlord left here because he's too lazy to move them mm. oh the the landlord again there's just oh, so, oh so many so, nice. so, so many microaggressions against the landlord but with good reason it's fine oh. um anyhow so urban legends um we've already already covered the guy in the back seat so i mean i do have to admit that like not every time i get in the car but a good chunk of the time that i get in the car you check the back seat i do check the back seat like that's just like a thing that's ingrained in you it's like very much of the time that you were impressionable and you grew up in like if it was the, the, the hot topic like you still do it you know um so I do it. I still check it every once in a while, even though I know a lot of the times when I do it, like there's no way there's somebody in my car. But you, and sometimes because I am a little bit OCD, I will also check the trunk. But that's when I'm having a super bad day. Do you um, check underneath the car? That's I the don't. Way. I've never. I've never done that. I mean, anytime I drop my keys in uh, a parking lot, I kind of, I kind of do stuff. like a. How do I go about this? There's like a <laughs> microsecond of like, is it worth it? Like, Am I going to die a, right now? Literally, is there a way that I can avoid any and all mishaps? The answer is no. So, but it's like, it's one of those things that like your parents tell you about. Yeah, It's, it's the boogeyman that you were told to be afraid of that's not specifically Michael Myers. There's a lot of that. And, like, I do um, really enjoy how Robert England's professor character, like, kind of framed the rest of the movie after his class about how, like, you know, before, uh, you know, there was now, which was 1998 at the time, there was folklore. And, like, this is modern folklore. And we call them urban legends. And it's usually based on X, Y, and Z. And, um like honestly this might be a really good jumping off point for someone that's like trying to give themselves like a horror education because like maybe this is not like the first movie on anybody's list but it's good in the fact that it like not only discusses urban legends and what they are and how like the spooky and the macabre and like 
all of that comes from urban legends, but then also like folklore is this. And folklore is also important, but we're talking about horror in a different way. Um, so I might put this on like my short list of things. I just kind of forgot about this movie for a while. Um, and I also love, just before I forget, because it was on my mind, like going back to, I know what you did last summer. Like, I love how there was a lot of references to Scream, but then the killer is kind of a reference to, I know what you did last summer with the coat and like all the, th- like, it's just, it's a jumble of all the things. Like, it's just yes. a jumping off point. Um, I wouldn't be entirely surprised that if, you know, the producers slash people of uh, I Know What You Did Last Summer saw this or spoke to people about this or even Sarah Michelle Gether, Geller, rather. Jesus Christ, English is hard. Um, and they were like, hey, we can kind of take that referential of that film that you were going to be in and mm-hmm. put it towards this or vice versa. I'm not sure which came first, but they're both very good. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, Robert England is noted for this character in the credits, but, like, uh, I, I always forget his name, but the guy who voices Chucky and plays him in the first movie. Um, Brad Dourif. Brad Dourif, whatever. Bradley. Um, he's not actually, like... Um, he's not credited at all. No, he's not, yeah. which is, like, odd. Which is, like, but I love when that stuff happens because then you know that, like, this is, like, a project that people wanted to be involved in, and... I feel like in the horror movie realm, you see that a lot clearly a lot more than in other forms of visual art. Um, so that always makes me happy when that stuff happens. Um, so I know what you did last summer came out before this. Correct. Yeah. So that also could have been Sarah Michelle Gellar's Mia Copa of sorry, I couldn't be in urban legends, but here I am in, I know what you did last summer. Mm hmm. And I think, did it, didn't you and I recently watch that together? Uh, we probably intended on it, and then we didn't, because I don't think we did. We, uh, let's be honest, like, Furry Nights, we always go back to it. Like, that, that completely, like, derailed our entire plan of movies to watch. Cause it just, I like, think so. It was so ridiculous. In our lap, and we were like, what the hell is this? Um, so, anyway. David. Yeah, Furry Nights? What the hell's Furry Nights? Oh, go listen to our episode about Furry Nights and then you'll know all about it. Yes, okay. It's also on Amazon for free, so... Um, It's exactly what it sounds like. Yeah, yeah, there's furries. Like the sexual furries? Yes, okay. Yeah, and and it's nighttime. Um, (laughs) They should have called it, like, Furry Fury, to be honest. Honestly, and, like, going back to how... Um, you know, small, um, non-mainstream groups uh, are typically the uh, the bad guys in horror movies. Well, in this movie, not only are the furries kind of, you know, supposed to be like loud, rambunctious, crazy, ridiculous individuals, but they are the killers. And that's really not that's not it's not a spoiler but um they did they didn't they didn't put furries in a good light let's just say that furries Uh, are due to anybody jesus yeah and i mean like i don't know any furries but i know there's plenty of them out there especially in florida um which is (laughs) which is very surprising because florida is gross and humid 
Yeah. So it's, what? It's too what? hot for all them layers. That's my only qualm about furries in Florida. Right. It's let's be honest. Like it's too hot for a lot of the bears that live there too. But there's a huge bear community in Florida. I don't understand. I don't get it. Never mm, will maybe I. Maybe it's maybe it's the appeal of being topless at any given time. Or like being near near like large bodies of water at any time. I don't know. Per- maybe perhaps. It's a, maybe it's a it's a both. But um, anyway, another gay tangent. <laughs> That's need... just what we should call this podcast. Fuck it, another gay tangent. Let's rebrand yeah. the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, because it... scratch. <laughs> we did it. <laughs> That'd be a lot of work. I don't want to go through. All uh, that. yeah, it would be an insane amount of work. Um, so... anyway, urban legends. We're talking about them. <laughs> David. Since yeah. you are the guest, and this was your pick for this week, Ooh. would you like to tell our audience, our beloved Pumpkin Patch, what your favorite urban legend in this film is? Yes, of course. I love um, Tara Reed's uh, urban legend. The whole, um, she is doing a radio show, uh, her sex radio show, and People are listening listening to her radio show at a party, um, and she is pursued by the killer, and she is screaming over the over the mic, and people at the party. Alicia waits at the party, and she's like, "Oh my god, she's you know being murdered," uh, but other people are like, "Oh no, she's just doing an homage to the uh, the mass killing that happened on campus years ten years ago, or blah blah blah." Because uh, that's like a side plot in this movie, um, and it's a whole urban legend. It's based on the urban legend that there was a girl screaming in um, the Love Roller Coaster song, which is a great song altogether. Um, and I like it because it is the a good slasher always has to have like a good chase scene, right? Just like a girl going through it. She is running upstairs. She's falling over house roofs. She's rolling down house roofs, landing on boats. Um, And so this is like, this is the chase scene of the movie. And I love it. Because I always, you know, when I was that age, and still today, I always imagine myself, it's a very weird thing, like being the final girl or being the girl who gets chased. I don't know why I do it, but I love it. And this was the scene for it. Yeah. So I always bring up my qualms about movies and I will say the whole sequence is great, but two things. So what, how, so it's 1998. Okay. How far of a distance does her wireless headset have a connection (laughs) <laughs> that she's like she's running around this entire building and the entire time everyone can hear on the radio she's like oh my god help me da da da, da. so that's number one but that's just like i know I'm, she goes into an elevator too like that she goes into uh, an elevator yes. and like honestly though that wasn't that wasn't the worst idea because she had just like fallen probably two or three flights she wasn't getting up any stairs quickly so like i get that but she went up why did she go up i don't get it because um, you always go up but like why was she trying to go back to the studio if well it doesn't really matter because this is a horror movie but so my qualms but um yeah and like it also 
like I don't know if this is actually an urban legend, but like there's podcasts and there's like short movies. I think there is a couple movies about it uh, actually where like somebody works at a radio station and there's like the really pissed off guy that like called in and then like he shows up and then it's a horror movie. So I really, I I do enjoy the idea of this being like a whole bunch of little vignettes, even though it's not necessarily like sold like that, but um, it is like little mini stories and they're all going on in the same place. Um, So like another reason that this is a really good movie to be a jumping off point, but anyway. um, What are your favorite uh, scenes? What are your favorite urban legends of the movie? Mm -hmm. You want to go first, Ash? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, 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 no. I would like you no, to go no, first. No, 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 so, no, 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 no. So, um, I think mainly because uh, of the major Easter egg that it is. I really love um, Natalie's roommate Tori. Yes. Um, because number Daniel one, Harris. exactly. She's the girl from. Halloween four. Um, and like, she's this goth chick and she's like, so like, this isn't, so it's 1998. There's not necessarily the urban legends about like, don't meet up with people that you meet online, but it's very much like the, she's on some chat site. She's looking for (laughs) the sex and all the things. Um, and the urban legend that goes into her, death is that like whenever Natalie comes home she typically has a guy that's like she's hooking up with and she's always like don't turn on the lights and it's the urban legend of the girl comes home and there's like um uh you know the the hullabaloo of what's going on but like she's been told to not turn on the lights so she just goes to bed and she wakes up and then her roommate is dead um and somebody wrote on the wall in blood aren't you glad you didn't turn on the lights um, but it's just like, there's like so many delicious, like layers to that. It's like a little, it's like a croissant of a scene, Ooh. if you will, um, <laughs> because like, like very much she's getting strangled, but it sounds like she's still having sex because she was a really loud moaner the first time that Natalie came home. So like Natalie also, just so like mm-hmm. autoerotic asphyxiation, a little dangerous. It is a little bit dangerous. So like there's <laughs> there's a lot of layers there. And like Natalie just straight up puts on her walkman and goes to bed and she's like, oops, sorry. Um and then like, you know, there's the there's the dick dean that's like, no, this was definitely a suicide. Like nothing happened. And, you know, we're just like the mass cover up. And like that's another urban legend here that like colleges never want to say anything um when when like murders happen on campus because it'll affect um uh numbers of kids applying the next year and stuff like that but yeah there's there there is a lot of like white nonsense here a lot of white nonsense um <laughs> that's this whole movie white nonsense yeah uh but i really in uh, you know, long-winded format as usual. Um, the Aren't You Glad You Didn't Turn On The Lights is probably my favorite. Um, but there's so many more, you know what I mean? Oh, so, there's so many good ones. So in saying that, Ashley, what is what is your favorite? Ooh, a segue. Thank a you. A segue. Um, so I'm going to pick two shorties because... Uh-huh. 
Uh, that's how I roll. Um, so the first one is based on the urban legend, the Hookman. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So for those of you who don't know the Hookman, the Hookman is an urban legend where a serial killer with a hook for a hand escapes a mental asylum. And that's kind of where Damon Brooks, a.k.a. Joshua Jackson, finds himself, you know, taking his girlfriend to make out point, the whole shebang. He's like, I'm going to go for a wee really quick. So he goes to do that. And it's not so much the hook man, but he gets strung up in the tree above his own car. And his girlfriend is like, what the fuck is going on up there? And it's his feet kicking. So that one is loosely based on the Hookman, based on the makeout point, which is actually factually based on a killer, I believe, in the St. Louis area. Mm. Um, I- if you ever check out the film Urban Legends, oh, Killer Legends, I'm sorry, Killer mm. Legends, they touch upon that. And it's, is it's that a- Richard Speck, I think, is the guy? Um, let me, I think so, Killer Legends, let's double check. Um, it's a 2014 uh, documentary with Joshua Zeman and Rachel Millis. It is a good movie. Yes, it's very, very good. So, David, if you haven't checked it out, you should check that out. I will. Thank you. Um, I believe they're the same people that did Cropsy, right, Nick? They are because okay. they do. They do. They cover Cropsy in Killer Legends, but then they also do a separate Cropsy documentary. Correct. As well. Um, the other one is Pop Rocks and Coke. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. But that's mostly because Robert England's hunky face is all over that. And he's he's looking real good with those glasses and that nice beard because we're so used to seeing him gross and crispy. So Gross and crispy indeed, yeah. Yeah, so those are my top two since they're pretty tiny in this film. They're just yeah. touched on. So wait, because I want to know now, I don't know if you know this off the top of your head, but is the Hook Man the same urban legend that the movie the town that feared sundown is based off of or is that just another guy that killed people at a lookout point that is okay so that is also based on the town that feared sundown which is also touched upon in killer legends okay yes but that did that did actually happen it did yeah yes We're, we're just like we're just like you know like flexing the muscles here look at this us is, i feel like this is as thorough as i've been in quite some time yeah so um but the pop rocks thing uh pop rocks thing um have you ever tried that because i actually yes. haven't you did. I have yep okay, i'm well, still here you're alive okay yep. that's good i mean yeah, because they said the kid from life cereal mikey that's how he died he did not actually die he's alive he did not I mean, I, I don't know if I would try. Like, I the still wouldn't rock. try. <laughs> I mean, I probably will at some point, but I'll probably forget about it again until this episode is released. And then I'll be like, oh, I got to go buy some Pop Rocks. Um, I don't know if I would try the mixture of Pop Rocks with like whatever like industrial cleaner that the killer oh, uses. No, 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 no. I don't suggest it. I don't yeah, suggest was, it. That was gross. I'm thinking maybe your cherry pop rocks and a Coke to get you like a cherry Coke feel. Oh, yeah, that's a nice vibe. A cherry Coke vibe? Because that's like, my favorite kind of vibe. Well, actually, vanilla Coke is my favorite vibe. I would try like blue raspberry with Coke. That sounds delicious, oh, too. Oh, that sounds delightful. David, yeah. what's your combo? <laughs> for cherry, for soda and pop rocks? Yes. Oh, geez. What, uh, is there a lime in the pop rocks? Uh... 
I don't know. I know there's, there's a green apple. There's a green apple. Hey. Oh yeah. no, the green apple. Um, Good choice. That's a yuck. <laughs> that would be sour. I don't want that. There's, there's probably a citrus there. flavor. There's, there's better be some citrus. Is there a blue? A blueberry? There's a blue raspberry. Blue oh, raspberry. Let's. Oh, there might be a cotton candy as well. And oh yeah, just like sugar. Sugar. sugar flavor. Sugar flavor sugar. Yay. Let's do blue raspberry and coke. That's Ooh, sassy. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Sophisticated. You know, just just like a, a nice um you know, palate cleanser, maybe get a sprite in there to clean it up a little bit. Well, I was I was just thinking like you could make it fancy. You could do like cherry with like seven up and that would be like like I don't know, like uh a... It's like a sassy cocktail when you do like a like a sugar brim, but you could do like a yeah. pop box brim. It, it's it's like a it's like a pop and Shirley Temple or something. Maybe we should do like a signature cocktail for this episode just based on that. Well yeah. then pop rocks will be involved. Um, yeah, absolutely. Obviously. There's always um, time for a cocktail. Mm-hmm. There's always time for a cocktail. Um that's our first drag no, that's not our first drag queen reference this episode, so never mind. I was going to say that that's the longest we've ever gone, but I forgot that we had that whole conversation about drag queens before. So never mind. Um, Okay. So what didn't we cover? We, I don't really, Oh, the dog in the microwave. Oh my God. I was just about to say justice for that dog. Yeah. Yeah. Because number one, that dog was cute as heck. And I, every movie lately that we have viewed, there's a dog that gets killed. And I thought, it wasn't even, it didn't even, like, come across my mind that that could happen. And then out of nowhere, there's this minor dog character who, number one, is getting fed beer. Like, stop feeding your dog beer. But then it's like, oh, okay, this dog's going to die. And then, of course, he dies in the freaking microwave. Um, but I do remember hearing that urban legend um, and just thinking that it was so stupid like, why would you ever put a living being in a freaking microwave? I don't know. Well, it's an older woman who's always involved, right? It's uh, the grandma yeah. doesn't know what's going on, and she wants to dry off her dog. And I don't know. Try you said, a towel. Literally words out of my mouth, Nicholas. Thank you. <laughs> Try a towel, sweaty. Jesus. So gross. <laughs> um, yeah, so we talked about ankle slashing. That was gross. Um, uh, we talked about the dog in the microwave. Um, I feel have we? Oh, well, there's like a very small reference to Bloody Mary, but there, there's no mirror involved. I'm very confused. I thought there had to be a mirror for Bloody Mary to work. Okay, so there's a scene at the end where Brenda is wearing a ribbon around her neck. Did you catch that? No, have you heard this urban legend? I don't think so. Okay, so the urban legend goes real quick. David, do you know it? No, what's going oh, on? Oh, so the urban legend is that a young woman marries a man, and he simply marries her based on the uh, mystery of why she always wears a ribbon tied around her neck, and then they're married for several years, and she's she continuously tells him, like, one day I'll tell you. And at the end of his life, she finally tells him, by removing the ribbon from her neck and her head falls off. Okay. So well, that's that's what Brenda's doing. She's doing an homage. Oh, Brenda. Brenda's the perfect name for her. Like, 
Brenda, Deborah, <laughs> Linda, like whatever. She's like she's that girl. Um, oh yeah, she's a generic white lady. I mean, is she white though? She's I think she's like maybe not. She, she does she know. just she is she like ambiguously ethnic? I guess maybe that's kind of where she lands. Um, um, Brenda is definitely a white person name. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. I kept calling her Deborah when I was talking about this with Arthur before. So like, there you go. Like placeholder name. Yeah, um, I feel like we're fine with Deborah for a placeholder at any given time. Oh Deborah. Um, but yeah, so there's the car thing we talked about. So, so the, the major one that we haven't hit on is the, the headlight thing, um, which I will say, I remember in high school being very concerned about this one because my mother like is addicted to being anxious about everything a lot of the times and like, that that is like a good trait per chance in a mother sometimes but i don't know if it was her or somebody at school talked about this headlight thing and like i always had it in my head when i was driving at night like never tell somebody when their headlights are off um mind you i was told by a couple of people a couple of times that my headlights were off when i was a teenage driver um but like I don't know like I was always told that it was like a gang initiation type deal yeah yeah Yeah. so I was like not fucking with that like no thank you um but also like now as an adult in my 30s it's like shouldn't you just tell somebody like what are the chances this is going to happen like just be a nice person and be like hey your headlights are off so who knows um would you do it today would you tell somebody would you like flip them the lights? I think it would depend on where I am, right? That's so, like, factual. That's factual. Like if I was back home in Jersey, no. I think it, I might think twice. Um, um, here in Cleveland, I still think twice. I feel like here in New York City, where we live now, like I think I would. Like there's so many drivers here that you know there's so much light all the time at night that like you might genuinely forget to put your headlights on especially if you're driving in like Manhattan or Brooklyn or something. So I think I would here now. Um, If I was somewhere rural, I would definitely think twice, especially if it was like me and only that person on the road going in the opposite direction. Um, So yeah, it definitely varies geographically. Um, (laughs) It's geographically ingrained in you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's a very suburban America urban legend. Yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. Anything with bridges, very suburban and or rural. But like, you know, you're not going to like, there's no urban legend about like the George Washington Bridge, you know, unless there yes. is. And I don't I, know I, about I, it. I don't know. <laughs> but I don't think there is. Um, yeah. But so actually... Like, the only couple of ones that we haven't really covered here are um, the spider eggs in the bubble yum, which freaks me out. Like, anything with spiders. Like, even I was I was thinking about, like, how that also kind of harkens back to, um, <laughs> very timely, uh, the, the story in Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark where the girl has the, the spider that hatches from her face. Yeah. Um, like, anything with, like, things... 
being ingested by or hatching out of the human body. Like, very gross, but definitely comes from a very morbid fascination of the human species. Um, I mean, we kind of didn't talk about, uh, like, the calls are coming from inside the house, like the babysitter stuff, but that they don't really ever cover that one totally. It's just talked about. Um there's all the sex stuff that Tara Reid talks about, or Sasha talks about, but I mean, huh, Bloody Mary, Pop Rocks, uh, Claw Hand hanging from the tree, the headlight stuff, um, Ankle Slasher we talked about, Love Roller Coaster we talked about. <laughs> I, uh, think, I think we hit them all, for I the think most we part. Except, except for what will end up spoiling, but uh, again, we have a spoiler alert. Um, right at the end where um, uh, Deborah uh, captures Natalie and wants to do the the, the, the kidney thing. Yeah. Um, mm, in the tub with the ice. Yeah, but there was no tubs and no ice. It was just her cutting her open to see her bleed to death, which I gotta say, um, Arthur was like, oh, you're not gonna, you're not gonna ha- see it coming who the killer is. And like 20 minutes and I was like, it's Deborah. <laughs> it's, it's totally Brenda. Brenda's gonna do Brenda. it. Brenda. See, I'm saying see? the wrong name again. It's okay. It happens. Brenda. Um, Deborah. Deborah. Brenda. Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, Brenda. Brenda Deborah. Brenda it's Deborah. Hy- hyphenated. Um, but yeah, so I kind of don't blame her, but Natalie wasn't completely wrong in saying that she hasn't processed her emotions completely and properly about the situation. Um, and that killing everyone involved is not going to necessarily help. Um, this is very much like a death becomes her situation where um, Goldie Hawn is trying to, at the end of the day, get revenge and or kill Meryl Streep, but then it doesn't actually give her the feelings that she wants. Um yeah, it's very much that tale. Um, but then it doesn't matter because the only hero of this movie comes along um, in in the form of Loretta Devine. And you think she's dead, but then she's not. And she shoots Brenda. I almost said Deborah again. Um, it's okay. Sometimes you just get your Brendas and your Deborahs crisscrossed applesauce. Brenda, Deborah, Deborah, Brenda. And then, of course, in the typical trope, she falls out the window. Um, and I gotta say something that also, uh, bothered me a little bit. Uh, this is like definitely like a hoity toity college and the architecture is gorgeous and beautiful and all the things they just have a, like a a dorm on campus that has been like abandoned for years and they haven't knocked it down and built something else. I highly doubt that, you know, like that is not, um, money being put to good use um like especially if they were trying to cover something up which they kind of were but not really with the whole like massacre situation um yeah just bulldoze that shit just yeah knock it down make it like a shiny new dorm put an extension on the student center like i don't care but like it should have been knocked down um and then of course because this is a horror movie, you think that the the villain is dead, but then she is not. And then she ends up being in the back seat. Uh oh, we're back to square one here. Um, but then uh, 
Brenda Brenda made one fatal mistake. She didn't put her seatbelt on. <laughs> oh, of course. That's just that's just the way it goes. Yeah. But on a on a on a separate note based on Brenda's uh boyfriend dying in a car accident and her going about you know, killing everybody she knows just because she can in in a poor attempt of a coping mechanism. Uh-huh. Rebecca Gayhart actually killed a nine year old boy. What? In in, in, a, in a car accident. Oh in real life. In real life. And she pled no contest and got three years probation. Oh my goodness. So life imitating art, I guess. Oof, that's horrible and painful. Right? Isn't that um, strange? Damn Do you think it. this movie's cursed? I mean, I don't know, but the, the, my one takeaway here is like, if you're gonna get revenge, just freaking like put your seatbelt on, Deborah. Like, <laughs> Brenda, De- put your seat on. Brenda, damn it. Brenda, Deborah, Linda, come on. Hey, Listen. Basic rules. Um, okay, so since we kind of lumped it all together and broke it down piece by piece into a delicate little. Um, artful croissant, if you would. Mm-hmm. <laughs> David, are you familiar with how we do our rating system? No. How do you so do it? So, we do one to five jack-o'-lanterns. And seeing as you were the guest, and this was your pick, how would you rate this film? I would give it a very solid four, even a five. I'm going to give it a five. Because I Ooh. have I have a strong connection to it, a strong memory that this was good. I remember watching in the theater, like I said. I remember loving it so much that it was one of those movies that I had to see every time uh, we have like a little cabin in the woods. And thankfully, we had electricity that we could watch VHS tapes and DVDs. And this was just one of those movies where I was like, I want to see Urban Legends again. Um, And I feel like it's one of the last great slasher films. Anything that came after it really didn't speak to me. Um, We haven't had something this high concept, this well done. It's fun. It's just an overall fun movie. So yeah, I'm I'm gonna give it a high rating, a four or five. Four or five. Four point five. Okay. Jackos. Jackos. I mean, yeah. Um two thousands and beyond slasher movies as a whole were kind of like lobotomized a little bit. Cause it was then it became like the 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 pumping out the formula to make the money factory. But Right. Um, like, well, sorry to interrupt you, but like know. slashers slashers died. I think the the last slasher we had was Valentine and it was a box office dud and really haven't had, they're trying to bring slashers back with a whole, you know, revival of the Halloween um, franchise. Uh, But we really haven't seen anything truly original since urban legend. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, to me, I feel like the last, like, really good modern, like, slasher movie was, like, Scream 4. But Read uh, my mind. Uh, sorry. You did I, not like Scream 4? I, not this house. I did not like it. I, I'm, I'm a huge Scream 
fan that got Scream got me into horror. Uh Like I was deadly afraid of horror before Scream. And then Scream, I just got horror. I felt like, oh, this is something to laugh at. This is something that's fun. It's a roller coaster ride. Uh Uh, So I have a love for Scream. And I was super excited when they, I couldn't believe that they had announced a Scream 4. They were going to do a Scream 4. And I felt like it was missing its edge. Like they didn't go, I felt like they should have gone more for the jugular when it came to talking about reboots or sequels. I felt like there should have been more of a focus, but I felt like it it just wasn't there. But and see, the, that's, that's where the comedy is. Because it's a film making fun of itself and its own franchise. Mm. So that's where it's smart. Right. I mean, Emma Roberts was there, so that is a little bit of like a... Uh, I guess like a tick, you know, because I don't know. Not not every. I feel like Emma Roberts is like um, polarizing for some people. You either like her or you don't. I um, feel the exact same way. Either you like her or you don't. Yeah. I I could go one way or the other on her. I don't really mind her, but I feel like in Scream Four, she played the best version of that character that she could have. Yeah, like the same character she plays a lot because of Ryan Murphy. But that's here nor there right now. Um, And the opening wasn't as strong as it could have been. I wanted to see Lindsay Lohan doing a Drew Barrymore. That would have been like the greatest thing ever. Let's try to bring back Lindsay Lohan and let's try to like reboot the sequel like that. Yeah, and, and now she has that MTV series about her like a resort somewhere you know island resorts yeah oh yeah that place is totally abandoned now oops oopsie doodles all right nicholas one to Uh, five please um i'm gonna give it a solid four that's fair that's fair yeah um i'm going to give it a three and a half okay i enjoyed it for what it is based on the fact that I viewed it as a series of vignettes. Mm -hmm. And because of that, it didn't feel so cohesive to me as tying everything together really neatly. And I feel like the whole Brenda fiance car accident thing felt sloppy to me and they couldn't really tie it together. And they were just kind of like, well, let's give her a motive. Mm. I no, I mean, I, 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 this is definitely, I appreciate it a lot more than other things because it's very well thought out. But um, uh, everyone has their own thoughts about like how, like for some people, this is very well thought out. For some people, it's uh, a little bit fast. So I get it. Um, But regardless, we as a whole are giving this movie an 80, 80%. Not bad. Math. It's like actually a lot higher than IMDb. Like IMDb has 5.5 out of 10, which, okay, sure, I guess. Rotten Tomatoes gave this a 19%. So I guess it's like certified rotten or whatever, but I don't get that. Like why? I don't don't think it's rotten. I just don't think it's... Like it's good. Yeah. I don't think it's yeah. terrible. I don't it's think good. it's the best. I think Loretta, my Loretta Devine is there. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Um, oh. This would have gotten a solid four and a half for me if we had gotten some SMG action. So, mm. well, good. No, we got, <laughs> we got, we got second tier. SMG. Oopsie. 
Sorry about it. S T um, action. Oh, um, Sarah Michelle Geller. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes. Yes. Um, and the other so. So, okay, so we're giving 80%. Apparently, that's a lot higher than everybody else. I don't get it. Roger Ebert only gave, gave it two out of four, which, um, I mean, okay, fine. So, like, everybody else is, like, 50% or less. We're giving it an 80. I feel like the issue with this is it was 1998. <laughs> and horror was not as well understood or appreciated as it is now. And, like, this was one of those first movies like scream was like very self-aware and referential in some ways and like it featured halloween a lot and stuff like that um but like this is now creeping into this the space where other horror movies are celebrating other franchises and or one-off movies by being extremely referential and it's like very much like the the easter egg thing where you're gonna get it or you don't so like people still were only grading it on like the content of the movie and not like how this movie necessarily made them feel as a horror fan um and you know like there's a whole lot of problems with horror movies not getting uh, the credit they deserve when it comes to ratings. And um, I'd say that's still kind of a problem today. Cause like oh, very much so, very much so. As we've discussed before, Ashley, um, the, the new Halloween, like the, they, they went real deep with like how trauma affects a family multi-generationally. Um, oh, and genetically too. And, uh, where where are the Oscars for that movie? You know, um, there won't. I don't think there there will ever be a horror movie that is nominated for an Oscar, like as best picture. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. I feel like it's just disparaging to the horror I'm community. Sure. Makes me sad. What were you saying, David? Silence of the Lambs. It, I believe. Oh. It's best picture, but there's there there's another thing where the villain is uh, a confused transsexual person. This is very true. So, ugh. But you are right that that was nominated. I did it. I believe it won. Yeah, I believe it won. Yeah. Oh, well, then I stand corrected. I was just kind of like categorize that more as like a, like a, like a, yeah, like a crime thriller because I don't know. Horror in my mind has multi- Subgenres. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah. Um, what was everyone's favorite Easter egg? Oh, um, David, you go first. <laughs> um, I feel like you say that often. No. <laughs> I um, mean, you are the guest. Yes, thank you, thank you. Um, they show. Uh, I believe they show a little Freddy Krueger doll. When they are, when Alicia Witt and Jared Leto are um, doing their Scooby Doo thing and they're trying to uh, look in the professor's Robert England's office. Yes. And yeah. just for a brief second, they show the claymation doll from uh, the third one or the fourth one, Dream Warriors. Yeah, the third um, one. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's. I love that. Yes, that was, I agree that was my favorite. I was like, ah! Um, 
because it wasn't only like like it wasn't just like the doll and the puppet like it was the puppet and the strings were hanging so it was like yeah. oh like 100% you get that or you don't um another one of my favorites was um when what's his name from Dawson's Creek is trying to start the car and then when it finally starts the theme song is blasting for a second yes um have you figured one out ashley i have um so there when she is looking at the encyclopedia of urban legends mm-hmm. the author is his last name is breen charles breen mm-hmm. charles breen is also the psychiatrist that's prescribing the medication what? okay to, to he, tori to tori yeah yes and he is also, I Googled it really quick to see what kind of like coincidental thing. He was the prop master. Oh. So props to him. Props to him. <laughs> yes. You went deep for that one. That was good. Um, Sometimes you got to do a little Scooby-Doo action to find some good Easter eggs. So, also, this film was, one of, was the first film to show Pepsi's reinvented logo of the blue. Oh, my can. God. Yeah. Oh. Can I tell you something? When they're talking about soda and pop rocks and then he pulls out a can of Pepsi, I was upset. I was like, why <laughs> Pepsi? Where's the Coke? I want Coke. No. Uh, I'll uh, take either. I'm just a cola kind of lady. No, I just, I really, we, we are 110% a Coca-Cola household. We do I not like McDonald's Coke. Product. Well, yeah. Fountain, Fountain Coke is the best. So. Is that urban legend? Have you heard that they like, they they do something with their Sprite where they make it more sugary. Is that true? Or is that an urban legend? Have you heard that? I wouldn't I, be surprised the way fast food is actually, um, studies show that it is actually addictive. So I wouldn't be surprised if they add something to the soda to make it a little, a little sugary to get you to keep coming back for more. Yeah. Oh no. We, we live <laughs> in a society where we don't have our own thoughts. Uh, <laughs> that's <laughs> unfortunately true mm-hmm. well I don't supplemental know. messaging it just reminds me of, just reminds me of Josie and the Pussycats oh my god <laughs> <laughs> I love Josie and the Pussycats whatever I mean that's a good movie it's a very good movie um, uh, with... oh is that Tara Reid yes. Tara Reid is in that movie that's my tie in there we go <laughs> there we go She's one of the pussycats, isn't she? She, she is. is. She's the drummer. She's Mel. Ooh, yeah. I think so. I'm pretty sure. I don't know what her name was. She's all that girl as the main pussycat. Blondie. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then uh, Rosario Dawson is the third one? Yes. yes. Also a time traveler. Yeah, she is very much a time traveler. She is super nice, too. I met her in a oh, movie theater. and she sure she's super the nicest. Nice. I believe it. She gave I us hugs. And she took pictures with us. I love her. Good. Jealous. <laughs> and with that, pumpkins, we would like to thank our now friend David Nora Yay. for coming in and stopping in in our mobile studio because Nick and I are not in the same location as per usual yeah. um, to give us a little pep talk about his book. Mm-hmm. Uh, David, do you want to let everybody know where they can find it so they can do it at purchase? Yeah, of course. So it is on Amazon. Just search uh, Slasher Crasher, Amazon or BarnesandNoble.com. And if you do buy it, you can send me a screenshot of the confirmation 
to david.nora.jr at gmail.com. That's david.nora.jr at gmail.com. And you will get a free postcard and free digital art. Or uh, I did this sexy horror photo shoot. So you can get some of those photos as like a freebie and a thank you. So go on to Amazon and buy that Slasher Crasher. Mm-hmm. Do it, people. I'm excited to read it. My, It's currently en route in the mail somewhere. I hope it gets here so I can read it at the beach tomorrow, as I said earlier. But um, this was a lot of fun. I'm glad that we could finally have you on. Something different, too. Something different. This was, yeah, this was like a good palate cleanser for for what we were doing recently. Um, But um, you're welcome anytime. Um, Just definitely let us know. Uh, either than that, um, do we have anything to talk about, Ashley? I don't think so. I don't think so. It's been pretty, pretty slow and quiet in the pumpkin yeah. patch this last week, which, listen, isn't always a bad thing. Not so. a bad thing. I mean, our our downloads are up. Um, our website views are up. So I guess we we're do doing... have something. We have something cool planned for September, but more to come on that maybe next episode, which yeah. is going to be pumpkins. Nick and I are going to be watching Zombievers. Zombievers. I've always wanted to watch it. And I just kind of have always not because I'm concerned that it's problematic because it's called Zombievers. Oh, no. It's not problem. I mean, I'm sure there is something somewhere that's problematic. But it's just bad in a really good way. And I thoroughly enjoyed something fun and quippy and nothing heavy anymore. I need a break. (laughs) All right. Well... I still need to view it. So the jury's out right now. Everybody um, should view it. It's a good time. It's very quotable. That's my biggest takeaway from it. It's quotable and it's fun. Okay. Well, um, plugs. Our website is copulatorsdiefirst.com. That's copulatorsdiefirst.com. Um, you can find our merch store on our website. You can find where to listen to us on our website. We are on Instagram at copulatorsdiefirstpod. Um Slip into our DMs, email us at copulatorsdiefirstpodcast at gmail.com. Um, thanks everyone for the support and the, and the listens. Um, it's very exciting. It seems like we're in a little bit of a mode of growth, which is wonderful. Um, so keep telling people if you like what we do that they should listen to. Um, and remember to subscribe and rate on Apple Podcasts because that helps a lot. So you're going to hear me say that from now until forever. So just do it, please. Um, yeah, um, that really actually does help us a lot. Uh, this week we cracked 112 on the iTunes trending charts. Ooh. We did. Um, so, we, um, we were we were there for like a couple out. No, we were there for like a day, and then we which disappeared is great. again. But I, I mean, fine. it happens. It happens yeah. when you're uh, in in a weird industry of doing weird stuff for people to listen to. Podcasting is a very weird thing. So, um, everybody, tell one friend that's your pumpkin patch homework for the week. Tell <laughs> one friend to rate, comment, and or subscribe. Um, if you subscribe, you'll get notifications when we drop episodes. We drop episodes every Monday, 7 a.m. They'll be in your listening ear holes, ready for your Monday grind. Ooh. Yes, queen. So, so um, oh, sorry. Did I cut no. you off? 
All right, no. I was going to say, just, David, thank you again for coming. I'm excited to read your book. Everyone should read it. Go support him. Queer supporting queers. Um, Nancy's helping Nancy's. Yeah. yeah. All right. Nancy's. So are we ready to say goodbye? I'm, I'm ready when you are. All right. Well, you go ahead. <laughs> Keep on creeping on pumpkins, and we'll see you all next week. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye.